0: Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. This program is produced weekly by the Christ Life Fellowship. Check out their website, christ-life.org. Well, we've been in a wonderful conference that Warren Litzman held years ago in South Africa with this In Christ message, and it is just terrific. We'll be bringing you more of these conferences, but right now let's go back to where we left off, South Africa Live Conference Warren Litzman. If you will, I
1: want you to take your Bibles and turn to Philippians 3, verse 8. Our theme during this conference has been the excellency of knowledge. Actually, the verse says it's the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. But knowledge itself is a standing out word that we are dealing with during this conference. It is my prayer that this has made an impression upon you. God has done everything for us He could do. There's no more He can do, and He said there's no more He will do. Christ died once. Christ finished. That's the key word in His death. It's finished. There's no more God will do. It's all done. Now all a human needs to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and the whole bucket of grace is dumped on them. However, our minds are slow to catch up with this. So we've talked about the things we need to do mentally to receive for our good, those things God has already done. If God has finished his work in us, it's a shame that we live like we do, think like we think, and act like we act. If it's already a done work, our problem, however, is not in God's doing, but it's in our receiving. It's in our coming to know. Most people don't know what happened to them at the cross. They don't know what God has done for them. It is my feeling that the plan of God hinges on two important commitments, mental commitments. God's plan operates off of two important commitments. And that's the first thing I want to talk to you about this morning are these two important commitments. The first important commitment that has been made has been made by God. The second important commitment must be made by you. But the commitment made by God is far-reaching, deep, and beyond our comprehension. And it is only as we understand the commitment that God has made to you and I that we're able to move on in our Christian walk. John three sixteen, the most popular verse, says that God so loved the world. He took his most priceless <clears throat> He took his most priceless possession and killed it to show us how much he loved us. For God never says he loves us without making a commitment. And everything God does for us is based on that commitment. That's the commitment that runs the universe so that we can have life and that more abundantly. So there's several things I want to say about the God commitment to us. I want you to understand That if God says he loves us, then we ought to love and care for ourselves or else our judgment is above God's judgment of who we are. Think for a moment that God sent his son into this world to die for sinners and he never questioned who those sinners were. He loved every one of them. I think this is one of the stumbling blocks the world has when they analyze Christianity because they have the idea that if God loves, he loves all of us. Partly that's so. He loved the whole world. He didn't care a bit about who they were, where they were from, what they had done. In fact... The insinuation is made by the Apostle Paul that the worse they were, the more God loved them. Those percentages, however, are simply because we had greater need and God meets our need. So if God loves us like he said he loved us, then we ought to care for ourselves. But the fact is, Multitudes of people have accepted Christ as their Savior who have presented to God nothing. Oh, we may give some money, we may give some time, we may go to a building somewhere and worship, but we've never given him back that love. As I've been telling you in the conference, God is personified love. God is love. If that's what he is then he has a demand on that love for it to be returned. You can't love. You can't love in deep commitment and not at least expect a return. The return you want is the return of that love. God so loved me, a sinner, that my commitment to him ought to be to return back that love. It is a fact that it not in any of us as humans to really love God. That's why the Holy Spirit has worked in our heart to love God through us. And when Christ comes to live in us, then he works through us, returning that love to God. All Jesus really does in you that's important to God is the return of that love to him. So if God loves us and has made that commitment to us that regardless of who we are, what our state is in life, how bad we are, how ignorant we are, if he really loves us in that state, then the least we could do is care for ourselves enough to appreciate what he's done for us. A sad thing takes place in our generation, at least to me it's sad, that believers don't think God is alive unless he does something. We're living in a generation where uh, God has to perform a miracle for him to be a miracle-working God. He has to heal to be a healer. He has to meet our needs to be a caring God. That's foolishness. He's God if we never get anything from him. He's God if he never does anything for us. So we don't have to go through life trying to prove that he's God. A fellow the other day wanted to argue with me a little bit about who God was. I said, hey, you get no argument out of of me. He's God. That's it. If he didn't settle with you, then I have different thoughts about you. (laughs) Because God... Doesn't need to be backed up. He doesn't need to be supported. There's not one blessed thing he needs. He started out to love us, and if he doesn't get return love from us, that's not going to affect him in the slightest. Except he has heart. And in the heartbeat of God are those perilous hours that Jesus hang on the cross at Calvary. That he won't forget. That's the deepest thing in God. His son dying. His son dying for people who didn't know him, who didn't care about him. But God knew that one day they'd come to a trouble period in their life and they'd need some God somewhere. And if they had heard the gospel and turned to Christ, God was blessed. That's what blesses God. That's why the angels in heaven rejoice every time a sinner is saved because they know that's the blessing of heaven. That's the thrill they get there. God loved us so much that he would like to see a return of that love in you and I. The second thing is that God sent his son as a gift to us to complete us. I have attempted to make a point during this conference that for over 4,000 years before Jesus came, God had dealt with humanity in several different ways under several different gospels. He had told them all what they needed to do and in every period of time that God dealt with humans, they failed. So the original thought God had from the beginning. Ephesians 1 and 4, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, begin to surface. It began to surface over the fact that for 4,000 years, God had no one who really loved him and cared for him, enough to keep his word. For every period of time ended, ended in failure, as far as man was concerned. But this wasn't failure to God. It was proof to God that man, in his created state, living his own life, making his own decisions, would always fail. They would always fail. There was none that doeth good, Scripture says. So God knew from the beginning that he would have to put a part of himself in the human being if the human being was to ever be what he wanted him to be. For 4,000 years there's failure. The coming of Jesus to this earth to bring Israel out of her state of unbelief and to set up a kingdom that God had promised Israel was also a failure, for he came to his own and his own received him not. Therefore it was left to God to do the ultimate thing he had known from the beginning. Before the foundation of the world, he knew he would have to... To put Christ in the human being for them to ever be completed human beings. So Paul very vividly says in Colossians 2, I believe, that we're completed in Christ. That's our completion as human beings. He loved us enough to not let human beings keep on being who they were. Who they were. He loved us enough to take out the nature that had been given to us by Adam and Satan. He took it out at the cross, and he put his own nature, the own, his own God nature in us, in the person of Christ. That's how much he was committed to you. But we're not very smart. We have a problem living our life it's not very good every one of us have big problems in life but we're not smart enough to see that the problem is us the problem is us it's not somebody somebody else it's not even government <laughs> the problem is us who was it that made that famous pogo wasn't it yeah He said, the problem is us. You've got to get that in your mind, that you're the problem, not something or somebody else. Because that's what God found out in this blessed book. By the time Jesus went back to heaven, God had proven the point that human beings were not very smart. When left to themselves, they would destroy themselves. They just weren't very smart. So it was then he knew that the time had come where he would not just self-righteously commit robots out of us and make us Christians, but he would, as he had planned from the beginning, that if I put a part of myself in them, God the Son, they'll be better. It'll turn out right. <coughs> That's what he did. Beginning on the day of Pentecost, whether people knew it or not, everyone that was saved was put in Christ. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had come to do that. 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 is a basic verse. For by one Spirit are we all placed in one person Christ so everybody saved was put into Christ they were in Christ and Christ was in them it was an immovable irresistible unbelievable relationship with God so now Christ is in all these people that are saved that have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ but you know what they too don't have much sense. After God has done everything he could for human beings to straighten them out, they prefer to live their own life. In fact, in religion today, that's a a main point with the psychological and psychic type preaching. That that you, you have a right to do what you please. You have a right to be who you want to be. That was never in God's intention. He he never intended to change you from your original image and creation of him because we're all made differently in that regard. But he did intend that Christ living in us would make some difference. Don't you think that should make some difference? Don't you think something should happen to a human being if actually Christ lived in them? Don't you think that sooner or later, Galatians 2.20 should take hold of anybody that reads the Bible, I'm crucified with Christ. (laughs) Nevertheless, I'm still alive, but it isn't me that's alive, it's Christ that's alive. Don't you think that ought to grip somebody sooner or later? It ought to take hold, shouldn't it? Well, you can be in a church 50 years and the preacher will tap dance all over that verse and never say anything about it. (laughs) He completed us. There were five things that happened in our completion on God's part. Five things. First, he forgave us. He forgave us. Why did he forgive us? Because he understands us. God understands that we were poor, low down, mean, ungodly, sinful, hell bound people. So he sent his son to save us. He knew that about us. But he also knew that unless we got a change of mind, him putting Christ in us would make no difference. It just wouldn't be any different. So that 90% of Christendom, in my feeble interpretation of life, 90% of Christians have Christ in them and know little or nothing about it. They're more anxious to join a church, to be one of them. They're more anxious to do something to be saved. When the instant they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they were placed in Christ. Doesn't it seem like to you that would be important? You ought to understand that. So he forgave us and he understands us. He understands us here this morning. He understands you. He knows that you make commitments you don't keep. He knows that you'll say words you don't believe. He knows that you'll try desperately to do what is right and have a problem. He knows that. His grace is sufficient. But that's a commitment he's made to us. That's a deep commitment he's made to us. So the other side of the cross is, I'll not let him die in vain. God says that. I'll not let him go through all of that in vain. So I'll work to the nth degree with human beings until they catch hold of what it is I've done for them. I've loved them. I care for them. He accepts us. He accepts us. There's not a one of us that'd be here today serving God, even if you've only been saved six months. None of us would be here today if he didn't accept us and we know it. He accepts us. He loves us. He cares for us. That's a commitment he's made to us based on the finished work of the cross. He can do no more at the cross. He can give you no more of himself. You have everything God has by birthing. He put his incorruptible seed in you. The sperm of God works in you. If you don't know it, that's your problem. That's religion's problem because religion hadn't preached the whole gospel and humanity doesn't know who and what they are. Hardly anybody in our world today knows what a Christian is. They think there's somebody that goes to a building, gets dipped in water or sprinkled or drowned or something. and that's it. So He completed us because He loves us, He understands us, He forgave us, He accepts us, and He believes in us. You know why God believes in us? He believes in us because he doesn't look at any one of us except through the cross. Every time he looks at you, he looks through Calvary to see you. That's about the only way he could stand most of us. (laughs) That's his commitment to complete us. So after I've said all of this, God looks at His children, His offsprings, those He has birthed Himself. He looks at them not as pathetic victims of the past, but He looks at His children, His offsprings, as masters in the art of living. That's how God sees us. He says, if there's anybody who ought to have the art of living down perfectly, it's my offsprings. My children. They ought to have it. Boy, I can do no more for them. And yet, you know... Christians will go into a bookstore and buy anybody's book that'll make them feel better. And most of these how-to books have very little cross in them. I analyze them. There's not a one of them that talks anything about the birthing. You can hardly hear any words about being born again anymore. It's as if We were not rebirthed humans. It's as if the cross never happened. It's as if God didn't care. So he doesn't look at us as pathetic people. And this is another subject, but I have to drop this thought in here. This is why so many of you don't get answers to prayers. You come to him in a pathetic state and... You've heard some preacher say the more you cry and the more you grovel and the more you cry out to God. Put this thought in your mind. He may look at you as somebody that's not pathetic, but somebody that has the whole of his plan working in your life. Boy, you know what he says, he gets maybe angry. God does get angry. and he says this prayer won't work today. I'm not going to do anything about it today because you're not a pathetic human being. You're not somebody unloved, uncared for, unwanted. Sure you hurt, sure you're in pain, sure you got problems, sure you don't know how you're going to make it, but you're not a pathetic human being. You have my son living in you. Christ in you is your hope. if Christ thinks we are worth dying for sooner or later we must believe it too. That's probably the deepest Christian growth you'll come to. When you come to the place that you realize He died for you and He felt like you were worth it. you were worth dying for.
0: Another great excerpt from a conference Warren Litzman held in South Africa years ago. Thank you so much for all of the wonderful response we're getting on these live conferences, and we will continue to bring them to you. Robbie Litzman, thank you for allowing us to go into the archives each week to bring these podcasts to everyone around the world. Also, we want to thank Valerie Hild. She does our Twitter account, Tammy Laycock does our weekly podcast report, and this program is produced weekly by Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Don't forget, check out our website, christ-life.org. Read all about us and read all about the In Christ message. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life.